What's up, everyone? Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Copon. It's July 25, 2023, and this is Lift and Learn episode 122. In this episode, I'll talk about why warming up is so important. There seems to be a never-ending debate about this, but I'll talk about why I think it's important, and then I'll talk about ways to improve the way your squat looks. Squatting is important for daily life. We need to be able to do it properly so that we can live a more independent life for as long as possible. Before that though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copon, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopon.com. The podcast is on Instagram, at liftandlearnpodcast, on Twitter, at liftandlearnpod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. When it comes to building your posterior chain completely, your back, the deadlift is one of the best moves you can do. This will fire up, uh, fire up your hamstrings, your glutes, and especially your back and your lower back. There's just so much load that you can tax yourself with during the deadlift, and that makes it such a good muscle builder. Specifically, when it comes to back development, the deadlift is one of the most important moves you can do. This is because of the pure overload you can put your back through. Rowing and pull downs and pull ups can help you build a great back, but deadlifts, for most people, this is one of the best movements you can do. Specifically, conventional deadlifts, not the sumo version. You're able to really overload the back muscles with so much more weight than whatever you can row and lat pull down. You can load a deadlift with hundreds of pounds. And that turns into solid muscle, not only just for your back, your posterior chain as a whole. It's one of those staple compound movements that everyone should be doing, but it has its own risks if you're not in control of exactly how your body moves. It's also such a good core movement because you have to maintain a neutral spine while fighting a lot of load, lifting a lot of weight off the ground. You can load a deadlift so heavy because there's so many muscles involved in lifting the weight in the right way. It's not for everyone and might not be suitable for completely new lifters at first, but it's something to work towards. Practice with lightweight first, of course, then add weight, but not if that means sacrificing form. Something to look out for would be any excessive back rounding. Now the deadlift, any kind of variation, conventional sumo, trap bar, and even a single leg deadlift should be a staple movement or exercise in everyone's routine. This is one I neglected for years and just really started getting into it after the pandemic ended, so my deadlift is pretty weak compared to my other lifts, but I've seen significant back progress after implementing it into my workouts. Even being a personal trainer, I wasn't comfortable doing deadlifts just a few years ago, so I rarely taught it to my clients. But now, I've seen how beneficial it could be, not only when it comes to uh, putting on muscle, but even real-life applications, because it's a movement that we should be able to do for the rest of our lives. Picking anything up off of the floor looks like a deadlift or a squat. Those are movements we want to be able to do forever. So there you go. Start deadlifting if you're able to and you should see some sick back progress if you stick to it routinely for the rest of the year or for the rest of your life. Something else to look forward to, some Apple products. So let's get into some more current events, I guess. 
Uh, Apple had their WWDC conference like, I don't know, a month or two ago now at this point, but I didn't get to talk about it on the last episode, so I'm super behind. They announced a bunch of software updates coming this year, iOS, watchOS, new Mac OS, I think it's called Sonoma. They finally unveiled the 15-inch MacBook Air that I'm actually excited about. My Air has been chugging along, 10 years running actually, it's her 10th birthday in a few months. The battery is still pretty good. It lasts around two or three hours if I'm just doing like some Word document writing or light web browsing. I just remember having it when I started college. Oh my God, it seems so long ago. It changed my life though. It was my first dive into the whole Apple environment. It was a tough transition at first coming from Windows, but honestly, after a few days, it was all good. I mean, you just open Google Chrome and do your thing. I mean, pretty basic stuff. And that was really the start of it all. I wouldn't even bring my charger for a whole day of school because it would last like 10 to 12 hours on a single charge when I first bought it. And I'm sure if I replaced the battery like the official way in my Mac, it would be back to those days, but it's a bit slow now. At the same time, I probably won't replace it until it really dies because that's just how I am. The 15 model does look pretty good, but I'll have to check it out in store to see if it's worth it. $17.49 starting price for the 15-inch model, though. That's a little bit hefty. I don't think I need a new laptop that badly. But yeah, that was really my start into the whole Apple ecosystem. I bought the laptop first, got the phone a few years later, then the iMac, got the watch and iPad. So now, I mean, at this point, I'm all in. For me, honestly, the big upgrades that I want to get before the year or the end of the year is definitely a new iPad because that's for work, tracking my client's progress and workouts on there. It'll only be for work and the occasional media consumption. And then I plan on getting a new phone too, since I'm still on the 10s Max, which came out in 2018, so almost five years. And again, that still runs fine too, but... I think this year is the year I have to upgrade it before, you know, Apple's going to send that update, the kill switch. My phone will be getting the iOS, uh, iOS update this year, though, so I love that news. The big highlight, though, at this conference, the Apple Vision Pro, you've probably heard about it already because if Apple announces something new that takes over the news cycle for a few days, this is an AR headset you put on, which looks pretty cool, I guess. It's not for the normal consumer, though, because it'll start at 3500 American dollars. They haven't even said if it's even coming to Canada when it first launches or anywhere outside of the U.S., really. I've been watching some of the videos on it, and it could, honestly, man, it could really change the industry. I get, like, original iPhone vibes with that. Like, the developers really need to figure out how to make the most of the new environment. They're calling it Vision OS right now. It's an AR headset, not a VR so it's augmented reality. Basically an iPhone, a Mac, and an iPad all on your face, powered by the M2 chip, along with some other chip they mentioned, I forgot the name of that one. You control it with eye tracking, hand gestures, looks super futuristic, but I'm gonna hold off until at least the second gen model, which will hopefully be, be a bit cheaper, but who knows? I'll let them iron out the bugs first. The battery life though is only two hours off the charge. Not really that big of a deal because you'll use it plugged in and you probably will more of the t most of the time. It's the matrix in real life, basically, which does seem scary if you think about the future capabilities of the headset. And man, it's been a while since I've released an episode. I realized that at this point, NHL and NBA season is over. Congrats, Golden Knights, their first Stanley Cup. Uh, they... 
They slapped Florida in that last game, 9-3. I still remember. And now they have their first championship since they've only been in the league for a few years. The team I cheer for, Chicago Blackhawks, drafted and signed Connor Bedard. I watch his highlights on a daily basis. Basically, can't wait for the season to start. I'm looking into watching some games live. That might mean driving to places outside of the city, but we'll see. Also, unsurprisingly, the Denver Nuggets won the championship this year. Big win for them. I never thought I'd see them win a ring ever, but Jokic is a great player. He's basically a cheat code, and the rest of the team is pretty good. Jamal Murray had a great series. Canadian boy from Kitchener. MPJ, who just launches a shot as soon as he touches the ball, but you know it's money. And at the age of 36, Jeff Green, hopping around from team to team, he got his first championship, I believe. Well-deserved. There's also some off-season deals going on in the NBA. Biggest one that I can remember off the top, Chris Paul going from the Suns to Golden State. Bradley Beal to Phoenix, which is weird. Fred Van Vliet, gone from the Raptors. Signed a ridiculous contract with the Houston Rockets. I think he's making like $43 million a year or something, which is probably the worst contract in the league. But congrats to him. Biggest contract by an undrafted player ever. He got his ring with us here in Toronto, and now he's getting paid big time. Summer League, I think, just finished up in the NBA, but didn't pay too much attention to that. Still looking forward to Webinyama on the Spurs. He's like a freak seven-footer who can handle the ball, pull off some step-back threes. It's crazy watching this guy play, but I think he's going to get bodied in the, in the league. Uh, he needs to put on some size. As for myself, talking about putting on size... Look at that transition. Training is getting closer to back. Uh, closer to what is getting closer to normal? There you go. My ankle is getting closer and closer to 100%. Rehabbing it still on a daily basis. Back to squatting some lightweight. But I've made my programming for myself for the next few months. I'm excited to see where this cut ends up. Plus, my strength is slowly coming back. I'm back to hitting calves with some light volume because there was one time where I was. Uh, comparing my right and left calf just recently after this injury and not being able to target or actually target the calves. My left side is just really atrophied. Like you can definitely see the difference from nearly a month of not being able to use the left side of my lower body properly. And I'll be posting a bit more of my training. I just posted yesterday for the first time since like January. There's a bit more content coming for the rest of the year. I've been getting into this routine now where I start my day super early, record content starting at like 4.30 a.m. before I start work because the gym is just super empty, aesthetically pleasing. So I could just do whatever I want for at least 30 minutes. My legs are actually a little bit sore for my last workout. I had a half hour to cram in leg extensions, single leg leg press, dumbbell walking lunges, sled pushes, so yeah, that was pretty effective, but I'm back on a regular upper-lower split right now, but might go back to like a push-pull leg split in a few weeks if my lower body training can just be more consistent and I can just not be super sore from them all the time. As of right now, I get pretty sore after those leg days just because I've been turning up the volume and the intensity for them, you know? Can't miss out on the gains there. And now that summer's fully underway, I think well, we're halfway through. We haven't had the best weather this year. Regardless, I've been golfing a few times this year now. I went every other day last week, which was a great time. Been out there with some friends and family and my senior buddies too, so it's been an eventful summer so far. Last thing I'll say, threads. This is out now. 
Zuckerberg's Twitter rival. It's been out for over, I don't know, it's been a while now, actually. I've been on there. It's the fastest growing app, 100 million users in under a week, I think. It's easy to sign up if you already have Instagram. The first few days, though, that was that was when it was crazy on there. And I'm ashamed to say that it's taken up a big majority of my last few weeks. I'm using it in a positive way, uh, following growth mindset people. My timeline's a bunch of book recommendations, motivational quotes, and I'm reposting some of those. The engagement there is pretty cool. I'll be definitely using it more than Twitter, or maybe it's called X now, I don't know, but we'll see if the hype dies down. Threads is pretty basic right now, no DMs yet, no true timeline, you get everything thrown at you, but I follow people who won't put any junk on my timeline, which I like. You can follow me on there for more motivational stuff, fitness stuff, stuff to excel more in life, basically. Question one, why warming up is so important? Here's one that could be up for debate. I've been talking to people who say that warming up isn't important, but I'm on the side of the fence that is actually pearl warming up. A warm-up will be different from individual to individual, but some sort of warm-up, I think, is necessary because it just doesn't really make sense to just dive straight into a workout without getting prepared first. A lot of people just instinctively start warming up, or they don't even think a warm-up is even worth it at all. Now, people can and should warm up in different kind of ways, depending on how you move, basically. Maybe how much time you have also, your warm-up will vary from time to time. That's something I do, actually. On days where I have more time, I'll stretch a bit longer. I'll take my time, do movements I don't regularly do. But I always start with a typical dynamic warm-up routine, along with the movements that I actually need before jumping into barbell squats or, or something like that, whatever I'm doing that day in the gym. Now, I could just jump straight into the workout as soon as I get into the gym, but I've never been the type to do that. I've known about the benefits of the warm-up for so long, probably just because of playing sports growing up actually feeling the difference between performing when I don't warm up versus when I do. Or back in the day, it definitely made a difference when I'd warm up on those winter baseball days or those cold practices in the early morning. It's a night and day difference. Even these days, warming up for golf is a must before I just go out and shank the first ball off the first tee. The right thing we did then when I used to play baseball, we actually did warm up, but looking back at it now, it wasn't always the right way of doing it. Maybe not the most accurate thing to do according to the research. It involved a lot of static stretching, holding movements for an extended period of time, and that seems pretty common. There's some research showing that holding static stretches for too long, though, could decrease performance. Again, there's people on two sides of the fence here. Some people saying the difference is negligible and others saying it makes a big difference. At the end of the day, I think the safe thing to do would be to do dynamic stretches for the most part and limit static stretching to under 10 or 15 seconds. And you should be doing enough to prevent injury as opposed to causing it while at the same time not affecting performance negatively. And I'll dive more into that later, probably, but warm-ups should include mainly dynamic movements. But let me rewind a little bit here. Why warming up is so important? Let's talk about that first before I go off on another tangent. First off, warming up is important because of the increased blood flow, uh, blood flow that you'll get throughout your body. You'll warm up, literally, increasing heart rate and blood flow and temperature in your body. That way your body is actually prepared for what you're about to do, and that's why it helps with performance. Warming up increases your heart rate and blood flow to the working muscles, ensuring they receive adequate oxygen and nutrients. 
this prepares your body for the demands of exercise and has been shown to enhance overall performance. With a proper warm-up, like I mentioned earlier, you'll perform and feel better. Going through all different kinds of range of motion with all the joints of your body is important before exercise. A bonus, if you're doing what's right for you, if you're doing this all properly, then you'll improve mobility and flexibility. This is especially true if you have uh, if you figure out areas that are lagging for you. You're actually activating the muscles beforehand. So warming up could also mean movements where you're even doing something simple like activating the core. During the warm-up, that's one of the goals. You activate the muscles that you're going to specifically work during the workout. If you're doing a lower body movement like squats, it makes sense to do movements and exercises like the leg swings or just walking like a marching movement with high knees or doing something like butt kicks to activate the hamstring, stretching out the quad a little bit too. A proper warm-up Routine includes dynamic stretching exercises, which increase joint mobility and flexibility. This improves your range of motion in the long term, allowing you to move more efficiently during exercises and reducing the risk of muscle strains or joint injuries. And that leads into one of the most important reasons to warm up, to prevent injuries. This whole warm-up process includes gradually increasing your heart rate, body temperature, blood flow. Again, you prepare your muscles, but also your tendons and ligaments for the stress of exercise. This, in turn, reduces the likelihood or the chances of strains, sprains, and other workout-related injuries. Warming up stimulates your nervous system. This means you're enhancing the connection between your brain and muscles, that mind-to-muscle connection. I might sound like a broken record, but these points I have written down kind of overlap with one another but warming up activates the muscles you'll be using during your workout. By doing specific warm-up exercises targeting those muscles, you prime them for optimal performance during your workout. This results in better coordination, balance, muscle recruitment, leading to more effective and controlled movements. I might have already told this story, but when I warm up, I knew it was important to warm up the whole body because I had a wake-up call, I would do bench press where I'd be doing like lower rep ranges like singles, doubles, or triples on bench. So heavy bench press relative to me and my abilities, I'd actually get a cramp in my hamstring when I get to some of those sets just because of that weight or of all that weight I'd be pressing. That's how I knew I just couldn't get away with only warming up the upper body even on a bench day. You gotta warm up the whole body every time if you're able to, but this becomes especially important as you push your body to your own limits. Regardless, it's just smarter overall to warm up the whole body before you do anything because you're never really just using one part of your body if you're doing compound movements, like I said. Even looking at a barbell row, that's an upper body movement, but that still requires a lot of recruitment from your core, uh, lower back, and lower body to stabilize yourself. It's only smart. Or a barbell squat, which is a lower body movement, but if you're doing a barbell back squat, your shoulders need to be pretty mobile to get ready and to get into that position to have that barbell resting nicely like on your trap area. So yes, it's great for your body, we know this, but not only that, it's important for your mind as well. Warming up mentally prepares you for your workout by focusing your mind and increasing your concentration. That's what helps you transition from a sedentary state to an active energetic mindset that could boost your motivation for the upcoming hour or whatever it is just basic readiness to tackle that training session for me typically i'll go on the treadmill i'll review my upcoming workout that i've written out so what i'm doing uh what i'm going to do that day i usually write it out the night before 
but I go through it, visualize it a little bit, get myself in the right headspace. And that's basically how the start of my mornings go. It's such a good feeling to start out with some stretching or warming up, even just to start the day. Like I said, the warm-up's crucial for maximizing your workout performance, minimizing the risk of injuries, and just overall feeling better. I believe that consistently incorporating warm-up routines into your workouts can lead to long-term performance improvements. It only makes sense. And like I said, the warm-up's flexible. It could change over time. Your body adapts to the warm-up process also, so you have to remember to change it up every now and then add in another exercise every now and then. So if you trust what I say and what I think the research shows and real life applications also, warming up is essential before hitting the gym and even just starting your day. It primes your body both physically, mentally, for the challenges of exercise, improves performance, reduces the risk of injuries, sets the foundation for a successful workout session. So don't skip the warm up. make it a part of your fitness routine for optimal results. Question two, how to improve your squat. I've already talked before about how important it is to start squatting, at least practice the skill of it, even if you're unsatisfied with the way it looks. Perfect practice makes perfect. So if we're looking to improve how the squat form looks, the biggest thing you need to do is practice it. Now, being a personal trainer for almost 10 years now, I've learned a lot of common areas where the squat could be lacking per se, and trust me, I've been through it with squatting. It's going to be a different approach for everybody. But like I said, there's common things I've seen, but practicing it first and foremost will go a long way. Me personally, I've had to reset my form maybe more than five or six times in my life. Back when I first started, I was squatting pretty heavy weight, but when I'd look back at the video footage, I was one of those squatters who would half rep. I'll be honest, I didn't even get down a parallel when I once squatted 365, and that was a real eye-opener to me. It just didn't look right. I did the squat PR at the time, and on video, it looked ugly to me. And that makes a difference, because if we're not squatting low enough, you're just simply not recruiting as much muscle fibers and uh, having that growth that you really could be getting. Even if that means lightening the weight, that would be something you should do in order to squat with a good form. Form over everything when it comes to changing how the body looks, and it's the safest way to do it because there's going to be less impact on certain joints. So that might mean the knee if we're talking about the squat specifically here. Ankle mobility could be the biggest issue to tackle. This is why having those plates under the heels of your feet, you may already see a huge change when it comes to how low you can get and how comfortable it feels. This means you need to fix the ankle mobility, work on certain movements in your warm-up that could help you with the squat, something as simple as ankle circles, even calf raises could help, or stretching the calf in all kinds of ways could help temporarily and permanently help with squat issues per, uh, pertaining, to, pertaining to depth. This was one for me that I really had to get better at. Ankle mobility along with shoulder mobility as well. During the pandemic, I was working on my overhead squat like crazy because that's all, really all I could do. And it was also pretty bad to look at that form from the side view. I had access to a broom around the house. I used that as my barbell for pretty much as long as the gyms were shut down. And my progress was amazing over that year or year and a half, but I put in the work. I started out where my body would really just lean forward like crazy as I got deeper in the squat. And it's improved to where I can pretty much perform one to parallel Still some room for improvement though, especially with the recent ankle setback. Another tip when it comes to working on improving how your squat form looks, start squatting but with support. That might mean TRX bands or something to sit on and stand up from. That's helped with many of my clients, especially my older clientele. 
I've been using these risers in the gym. Start high and comfortable then week to week. Uh, use less risers so that you're forced to sit lower and lower. Then you get to a point where you're just tapping the risers and getting up out of the hole by yourself. I've had clients with knee pain, forget they even had knee pain before they saw me, some of them now squatting pain-free, and I've only given them a few movements to work on for a few minutes on a somewhat daily basis. Improving your squat form and mobility is crucial for maximizing your performance and preventing injuries. More tips to enhance your squat technique and mobility, here's one that might be a hard pill to swallow because you're playing the long game. Fully resetting your form. This will be beneficial like I said, I've had to do this a bunch of times, and more recently, literally right now because of my current ankle mobility, it's been like two months since my sprain, and my ankle is still giving me some problems when it comes to overall range of motion, especially towards the end ranges like full plantar and dorsiflexion. They're both still painful right now, but I can manage in the meantime. My strength output coming from the left side of my body isn't fully there yet, but it's slowly improving. I didn't think it would take this long, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. I talk about this regularly with my clients, especially people I'm meeting for the first time because some people just really, with no experience at all, will just get into a squat rack, put that weight, uh, put that bar on their back and start doing half reps. Definitely not the smartest way to go about it. For novice to intermediate lifters, I think starting with a squat stance where your feet are at hip width or slightly wider would be a good start. And having the toes point outwards a little bit helps with uh, getting lower in the squat because your stomach and ribs won't get in the way of your thighs. Now, elite lifters, like elite level uh, Olympic lifters, will squat and clean and jerk and all that with their feet pointed perfectly forward, but they're a different breed. That's what training for decades looks like. Don't compare yourself to elite lifters if you're not one. Another common issue I'll see is that as some people get low in the squat, as they get lower, that chest starts to come forward. So the best cue there would be to keep your chest up and core tight, but just saying that may not be enough. This is why just sitting in a squat throughout the day could be beneficial. Shoulder mobility could help also. I talk about it, just practicing it. Get your body used to the movement and practice sitting in a deep squat. That might mean while holding onto something, anything, and that's perfectly fine. You can do this in the comfort of your own home while you're watching TV or even scrolling social media. Just make the effort. Sit in a deep squat, hang on to something, try to maintain that neutral spine at the bottom, and even as little as practicing that for a few minutes every day could go a long way when it comes to improving your squat form. Another issue I commonly see, more in females, is that when you load up the weight, you could find that your legs or your knees cave in or out during the part where you're coming out of the bottom of a squat. Like I said before, when it comes to getting low in your squat, the squat depth, the limiting factor could be lack of ankle mobility. This might mean doing something as simple as ankle circles, calf stretches. This might mean hip mobility for some people. So hip circles, leg swings. I personally like the hurdler dynamic warm-up stretch. I learned that from track back in high school, and it's pretty effective to warm up the inner thigh or the groin area. But if we're talking about knees caving in or out, you would want to strengthen the opposite movement. So if the knees are caving in, having a bend around the ankles or knees could help uh, because you have that feedback that you have to push out against and that could strengthen those outer thigh muscles, the abductors. The opposite is true if you have someone who bows out their knees, something like a med, uh, a med ball in between the legs could provide that feedback for them to strengthen that movement pattern and the adductors as well. 
form over everything. So before you go up in weight, make sure that you're comfortable with your form first. Dynamic movements are important for the warm-up. I just finished talking about that. This is going to loosen up the muscles, get the blood flow going throughout the body, and it's good to even practice some bodyweight squats before hitting the squat rack and loading up a bunch of weight. And the aforementioned ankle and hip mobility exercises will help as well. You just have to try out a bunch of them, maybe finding some on YouTube. Grab a whole list full of mobility exercises and try them all out. Some are going to work better than others, and we're all different. We all have different capabilities, so you have to find what works for you. Improving your squat form and mobility takes time and consistent effort, so be patient and persistent. And that concludes episode 122 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Copon on Instagram. And you can also check out my website, IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast.